Accounting firm owners, if your firm can only grow as fast as you can find the time to take on new clients, you're not alone. Fortunately, Dark Horse CPAs has built a platform-style CPA firm that will transform your practice. It has the technology, resources, staffing, qualified inbound leads, and community that will enable you to spend your time growing your practice, serving clients, and doing more of what you love. Stay tuned to learn more about how Dark Horse CPAs is saving public accounting one firm at a time. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com, download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. This is Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where we talk about fraudulent deductions rather than felony decapitations. I'm Caleb Newquist. And I'm Greg Kite. Greg, remind me, what was your first job? So my first job, I started working as a, a cashier at my mom's drugstore in Mount Lake Terrace, Washington. I was 14 years old when I started working for her. Uh, and the story goes like this. She she started the drugstore with two partners. And after a, about exactly one year, they hated each other like <laughs> like like be, like crazy hated each like top. Before toxic and McCoy's before toxic workplace was an expression, that's a hundred percent what this was. And so one day, I, in, I I remember it was in the I think it was in the summer between seventh and eighth grade. I think I was fourteen, and I was and basically the partners that she had, they were just like. Uh, fuck you and fuck this store and we're out of here. And they just like walked out in the middle of the day. And so my mom came up to me and she was like, Hey hun, looks like you work here now and taught me how to use a cash register. And that began my uh, career as a, uh, as a drugstore cashier, which turned into uh, doing the books for her right. drugstore, which uh, eventually led me to becoming a CPA. So that was, that was my first job, Caleb. I'm looking forward to future discussions where I learn more about who is the monster in this particular relationship, your mom or her partner. Oh, it was the partners. Oh, okay, I mean, what good. are you saying right. about my mom, Caleb? It was a part- nothing at all. It was her nothing part- at all that she's a human being. She- that people, people have their moments. No, she's, I don't know. She's my mom, Caleb. You shut your damn mouth about my mom. <laughs> okay. This podcast is over. <laughs> we'll do it in post. <laughs> We'll do it. Okay. So since that time, since that fateful summer day. Yeah. Has there ever been a period in your life when you didn't get a paycheck? Uh, You mean like a period of time when I was not employed, so I wasn't getting a paycheck? Yeah, essentially. Or are you talking about when when my mom's failed drugstore didn't have the cash to where she was like, hey, son, can you wait an extra week? Right. No, I mean, I, I mean, you mean more or less. But what I'm saying is, there was. A, the, the, has there ever been a time that you that every other week or on the fifteenth or the last day of the month that you that that money didn't hit your account? Gotcha. And and yeah, there was, or that you deposited a check or whatever. Right. I think I think that there were some some sh- rather short periods of time while I was a college student where maybe. I just was a student and didn't really have like a job at the same time. I think there was, I think there was some, but I can't actually like pinpoint those times. 
I started working uh, at 16 and there's only been a couple of periods in my life where I didn't receive a paycheck. Number one was my freshman, freshman year of college where, you know, it's, it's the whole thing where it's like, well, get adjusted to college life sure. before, you know, I mean, plenty of people didn't do that, but I, I did not work my freshman year. Gotcha. Uh, but, and then my year of graduate school, which was exactly 12 months, uh, I did not work. Okay. And uh, I don't recommend working as a graduate student because it's hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that felt like a good time not to be working. But also, I was unemployed from late 2008, like early November 2008 to early 2009. I got laid off from my big four job. Uh, it was the financial crisis. A lot of people out of work. I was one of them. And I got unemployment benefits from the state of New York every week. And it was not a lot of money. It wasn't a great time that, in my life. And that clearly shows, Caleb, that you are one pathetic loser. I've never been laid off or I mean, fired the, from anything. The, but you, on the other hand, you crushed it. I mean, I, I, have to, I have to say, the woman who was with me broke up with me shortly after that. What? So there is evidence, there is evidence to support your pr- position, Greg. What? That's all I'm saying. Your, your girlfriend was like, I, I don't want to be with an unemployed uh, pathetic pathetic loser that's weird that isn't exactly the words that she used but okay (laughs) there may have been some subtext there okay i wasn't picking up on at the time anyway all right so i guess there's a couple points here number one for most people not getting a paycheck is pretty much unimaginable i think a lot of people start working and they don't stop like i think about my dad my dad started work i don't even know what age my dad started working but my my dad has been at the same job for over 40 years. He's never not gotten a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we, cause we all need money to live. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pay bills, food. And so if a paycheck doesn't hit your bank account every week or every two weeks, whatever it is, then, uh, you know, as, as been, has been well-established things can get dire pretty quickly. Yeah. If people aren't working. Yeah. And I guess the second point is, uh, and this is slightly, uh, mechanical, but, does anyone understand how paychecks even work anymore? Like, Greg, do you remember when you... Greg, you certainly remember a time where you actually picked up a physical check for for the jobs that you did, right? Yeah. Yes. And it was in the security envelope, so you couldn't see through it. Yeah. And you had to physically go to a bank <laughs> yeah. to deposit it, Yeah, there's, right? there's no app on a smartphone where you could just take a picture of the front and back and... And I know. Yeah. No. It was it was the Stone Age. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable, it, but it, I do remember this time. Yeah. Yeah, I it, well and and I absolutely know that I had physical paychecks when I was working for my mom at her drugstore and I even I swear that I even did the payroll for her. Like I calculated the deductions and all that sort of stuff for everybody's oh, wow. paychecks. So I did I did payroll for her, but again, it was that was so long ago. I I real like I'm only pretty sure I even <laughs> did that. It might be a false memory, but um, I don't remember exactly when I stopped getting. Like I don't remember when when things went to direct deposit. If that's what you're saying, yeah, I don't remember when I first started using direct deposit. But I kind of I I think I remember feeling like oh this is nice. Mm-hmm. You never had to you never never had to worry about losing the check. <laughs> Right. I mean, that that seems like a terrifying thing. Right. Like 
when you had to piss up. I mean, because it certainly happened to people countless times. See, and it I, never happened to me. My whole my whole take on that stuff is the opposite. Where I go, I don't know if this is this might just be bullshit. <laughs> is this is this new tech really going to work? Oh, I guess everybody else is doing it, so I'll do it too. So I'm not the only one who gets fucked if this, is, this doesn't work out. That's yeah, but I mean. But I mean, it worked, but after it works the first couple of yeah, times, oh, it's yeah. just it, when the, when the money you're just looking at your bank account, you know, and, and I don't, and again, the other thing is about direct deposit. Like, how did you look at your, like, it used to be, you couldn't just like boop, 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 go on to the internet to look at your balance in your bank. You had to go to the That's bank. True. You had to go. I'd like to do a, I'd like to observe my balance please yeah. at the ATM. Jeez. And that's how you, what you knew what was in the bank account, unless you kept like a rigorous, right. like unless you balance well, your checkbook every goddamn day, which only lunatics do that. I'm, and I'm a <laughs> fucking lunatic. Cause I would do that. I guess I was okay, like, going, how did I do that? Oh, right. I had, I had the, that, that little part in the back of the checkbook that had the yeah. check register. I was meticulous. Oh, with good that. for you. Meticulous. So yeah, I wasn't good at it. I, I, I just, I, I was like, oh, fuck it. Well, I guess I just, no. you didn't start doing bookkeeping when you were 14. Maybe if you were an early, I did early starter no, like me, you, yeah, you 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 had a head start. Yeah, I mean, anyway, direct deposit is super convenient. Right, I think we like nowadays. It just like I know there's people there. There are like some businesses don't use it, but I think that's insane. Yeah, I think if I was an employee, I'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing? Just just do direct deposit." Like, what the fuck is wrong? Right, right. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, because lots of businesses these days they just use payroll processors, right? And so they don't even they don't think about any of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, the tech has gotten so good that it. You know, businesses really don't have to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And and the crazy thing too, I mean, when it comes to the to the payroll processors, one thing that we I think and this is this is I think part of what you were getting at is that we even accountants have sort of lost touch with how like crazy complicated payroll is. You and I, we did we did a couple webinars about like the history of payroll. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's so intimidating and onerous. And we forget that because what is the other side of that coin is payroll is all just math. You put in the inputs yep. and there is an output at the end. And so because of that, payroll is one area of accounting that's been 100% taken over by robots. Caleb, you work yeah. for Gusto. I do. Which is a payroll company. It is. I use your product at my day job. And that's nice. Yeah. And we say, yes, you're welcome. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's basically it. We set up everybody's parameters who are our employees and then, yep. and then, and that's most of the inputs. And then after that, it, well, processing payroll is me just entering the hours for our two hourly employees and then hitting right. submit and it's done. And if we had no hourly employees, it would be I mean, I don't even know. Even if I, easier. I don't even know if I'd really. Ha I think I'd still have to hit submit. So yeah. So so there you go. So that's uh that yeah. So that's that's what the state of payroll is and has yeah. been so, for a long time. So I think we've established that payroll processors are good. They run like clockwork. They get all the necessary info to a to to pay a business's employees, including banking info, when the payday, uh, the the day of the you know the day the payday is supposed to be run. Yeah. Uh, the money that goes into the employer's bank account and then into the workers' bank accounts. Yeah. Right? Yes. And into the, the you know, the, the, all the taxes get paid on the right day. So, yeah, it's, it's, th that's all there is to it. There's nothing complicated about it at all. 
if you're using robots and it basically i mean it well and the robots work the robots work as long as the robots know what they're doing then yeah there's really nothing to it yeah and and from and it's never i mean i've i've you know we we run a very small team and i've always been in charge of payroll since i've been working for the 13 years i've been working for my company and we've never we've never had a problem with our payroll it's always gone uh, off fine and one of the things that i know about payroll too is that it can't you can't screw up payroll people will go effing bonkers if yep. if it's not like if if it, it i mean people are now now that you can look at stuff online people are going did it hit yet did it hit yet did it hit yet? oh there it is okay good and so if yeah. it's not doing that you're going to get calls from people immediately so it goes off without a hitch and it better well go off without a hitch but sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't and so that's what today's podcast is about what On a seemingly ordinary day in early September 2019, employees of thousands of businesses got a very unpleasant surprise. The Albany Business Review reported that, quote, direct deposits had been withdrawn from their accounts after a Clifton Park payroll processing processing company, My Payroll HR, abruptly stopped processing payroll transactions. Wait, wait, direct deposits were withdrawn? Like... Like people said, oh, hey, it hit my account. And then they're like, hey, where the hell did it go? Yes. So they got exactly they got paid and then they got unpaid? Well, they got unpaid. And what's really weird is the company sent out a very strange message the, wait, to its customers. The payroll company? Yes. Okay. So, and this is this comes from the article. It read, I'm read, I'm quoting from the article now. We regret to inform you. That due to unforeseen circumstances, we are no longer able to process any further payroll transactions. Please find alternative methods for processing your payrolls for any payroll batches submitted during this week, including any payroll reversals from the last from last week. Please be prepared to find an alternative method to pay employees. We are working to release any funds that are in transit as a result of this matter. Uh, so that's absolutely insane. This so my payroll HR out of nowhere yes. with zero warning told its customers, "Hey, uh, just FYI, we're not gonna do your payroll. So good luck, go, go get them, guys." They, I <laughs> yeah. mean, I mean, they, they, and and they, they didn't even wish them good luck. It was just like, "Hey, uh, you're screwed." <laughs> Uh, don't call us. Is that kind of, that's kind of what it was that, that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've, I've never, so I, this is the first time us doing this case is the first time I've heard of this. I've never heard of anything like this before. Have you, have you heard of something where a payroll company like clawed back payroll that people Uh, legitimately earned in I have not. I, I have not. Okay. But what? But Greg, yes, Caleb. It actually it actually gets even worse. It does. <laughs> yeah. Please, please explain. Uh, not only did the company stop processing payroll for its customers out of the blue, right? Not only did some of those employees of those businesses have their pay unpaid. <laughs> You're right. 
some employees had another paycheck withdrawn from their accounts. And what? in some cases, an ad- an another paycheck. Wait, so wait, withdrawn. so so some people had up to like three paychecks pull yanked back out of their account? I think m- we'll get into this in a bit, but most commonly like a, a lot of people had a month's worth of pay unpaid out of their bank account. Okay. Jeez. That's uh okay, so with that, so I, I've got to think. I mean, we we hear this all the time, like in the news. It's like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like sixty percent of Americans are only four hundred dollars away from financial disaster or something right. like that. You remember hearing all that stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So if yeah. that's the case, and assuming that paycheck most paychecks are larger than four hundred dollars, we're talking personal financial crises for tons and tons of of people because they have negative bank balances and they don't even have enough money for it to uh to buy it to, to refill their anti-anxiety medication yeah, yeah so, i mean basically okay yeah. and it actually even gets weirder so okay yep <laughs> my payroll hr's own employees had their paychecks reversed too <laughs> okay and so, so well at yeah. least so at least they're not they're not like they're not they're not uh, no no uh preference for right. the, the, everybody's on an equal playing e- field equal even opportunity on payment yeah we're screwing everybody even our people so we're not we're not the bad guys here right so i'm going back to this albany business review and i'm quoting again jason coney a former business data analyst at my payroll hr said employees were called into a meeting at 1 p.m. on thursday they were told my payroll HR was shutting down and everyone had to go home. Coney said he was, quote, blindsided by the abrupt news. Things had been normal on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. He said he has tried to contact the upper management and the owner, and they have not responded to his calls. If you own an accounting firm, then you know the struggle. Trying to develop the right technology, the right people, the right marketing and pricing strategies, and the right SOPs while handling all of the one-off issues that come with being a business owner on top of your duty to deliver high-quality work amid pressing deadlines. To say it ain't easy is an understatement. Dark Horse knows that building a scalable practice requires a significant investment of your limited time and money in order to build the infrastructure that you need. And it requires you to be consistently sourcing, developing, and implementing new technologies in order to keep up with the marketplace. Instead of breaking your back trying to build a modern accounting firm, why not just join a firm that has already built what your practice needs to scale? Instead of trading your soul to merge into a giant traditional partnership model firm, why not join a firm that will allow you to keep your autonomy, retain ownership of your practice, and provide you with way more upside in a fast-growing, progressive firm? Instead of trying to learn everything you need to know to serve your clients, with why not shortcut your learning curve by collaborating with a supportive group of experienced and knowledgeable peers at Dark Horse? There's a better way to evolve your practice. There's a better way to be a CPA. Dark Horse invites you to visit abetterway.cpa to learn why firms are moving their practice to Dark Horse CPAs. At the time of all this mysterious unpaying, 
my payroll HR had over 4,000 customers across the country, so nationwide, and a couple hundred employees. Okay, and, and let yeah. me make sure that I understand. So when we say 4,000 customers, this is a business-to-business kind of thing. So it's not yep. It's not just there's 4,000 individuals who are affected. No, there's 400 companies and all 4, of them, Sorry, 4,000 companies and all yep. of those 4,000 companies, all of their employees were screwed. So we're talking right. likely tens of thousands yes. of people, if not over 100,000 people that got right that had this horrible thing happen to them. Right. And so this this company, my payroll HR, it was a subsidiary of a company called ValueWise Corporation. Okay. which provided management consulting and professional placement services. All right. And the CEO is a guy by the name of Michael Mann, Michael T. Mann. Okay. Not the not the director, Michael Mann. Uh-huh. And Which I didn't know there was a director named Michael Mann. There is. Same spelling. Different middle initial? Hope so. Probably. For, for to make to make sure that SAG doesn't get them confused. He better. Right. That would yeah. be tragic. <laughs> but anyway, so the day the news broke, value wise, the parent company, its website had been taken down. And another strange message was sent out to its clients. Okay, so okay, so there was a weird message that was sent out to the my payroll HR that's like, "Hey, you just yep. got screwed." Just wanted to let you know. But then this was a message from the parent company right. to the parent company's clients. Yes, gotcha. And so here's here's what it said: We had an issue with one of our parent company's non payroll related accounts that caused the bank to freeze the payroll account. This is preventing us from generating transactions and causing reversals on recent transactions. We are working closely with our bank to address this. We will be updating clients via our company messages and sending email blasts with updates. We sincerely appreciate your patience as we work through this matter. Well, that sounds horrible. Terrible. Yeah. Nothing you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. and it's well, and it's it's rather cryptic too. Where Super it's like, cryptic. It like clearly the messages. Uh, something horrible happened, and it's also you don't really know the horrible thing that happened. There's you, you, something horrible happened, and and we're making sure that you still have lots of unanswered questions. Right? Yeah, something horrible has happened, and we're not at liberty to talk about it. But buckle so, up. But we, yeah, but yeah, but you're along. You're you're along the ride with us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can't get and, off this uh, roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Buckle up. And oh, the CEO, Michael Mann. Uh-huh. Yep. What about that dude? Uh no one could find him. No no one could find him? Yeah, no one knew where he was. He so like he just poof disappeared. Uh essentially, yeah. Like, a, like smoke bomb, poof, and then Yeah. Wow, that's that's yeah. a that's some serious bad guy shit. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean so- thousands of people, thousands of people not only get unpaid, they get double unpaid, triple right. unpaid. Yeah. And the guy in charge of it all is nowhere to be found. Yeah, it's like, hey, we need to talk to we need to talk to the boss. Oh, you know what? Can we talk to the person in charge? Oh, his no voicemail's full, and his email is sending its out of office automatic reply. So, right, yeah. So, where was the guy? Where's this well, Michael T. Man? So, let before we kind of track that dude down. Uh-huh. The, the 
the the nature of like people started putting this together pretty quickly. So like that okay. that Albany Business Review, like I think they they had one of the earliest stories about what was happening. Okay. And so they they and other like outlets that reported on this and everything's in the show notes for people that want to look into all the, uh, the specific places because the reporting was really good. But they started piecing it together pretty quickly. But it's it's super convoluted. Okay. So <laughs> stick with us as we talk through it. So my payroll, they worked with a company called Cache Financial Services. I think I'm pronouncing. Do you think that's Cache? Yeah, that's totally Cache. Cache. Yeah, it's so it's cache. French. It makes fi- them fancier. It's a it's a super <laughs> fancy financial service. Right, cache. They got so some they cache. worked with cache financial services. My payroll would send a file to cache with payroll details for its customers. You know, so it said who was supposed to get what money and where it was supposed to go. Okay, right. Yeah, the money from my payroll's customers would end up in a cache holding account. Okay. And then Cache would distribute the money according to the file sent to them by my payroll HR. Got it? Yeah, I'm pretty just to sum up. So it sounds like yeah. and again, if this is similar to how to how Gusto does my payroll, it sounds like my payroll HR yanks the money out of out of their customers' accounts to mm-hmm. give to their employees. But then my payroll in in just in terms of following the money, my payroll hands it off to Cache and then Cache puts it in everybody's bank accounts. Okay, right. cool. Got it. Yep. Yep. So in early September 2019, this is when this is all like happening. Yeah. My payroll sent its file to Cache to deposit all of its customers' money, but not into the Cache holding account like it normally did. Okay. Instead, it instructed them to put the money into a Pioneer Savings bank account. A Pioneer Bank savings account controlled by my payroll HR. Okay, so so basically they so my payroll took the money from their clients, they handed it off to Cache, but instead of giving Cache instructions, going here's who gets this, here's the here's what employees get this money. They're like, hey, here's a bunch of money and just put it in our in our account at this other bank. Is that that's what yep. happened? Okay, that's essentially and, what happened. And how how much money? Like was, thirty million, like thirty million dollars. Th- oh, just thirty million dollars. Thirty million. Dollars. No big, no big, no big whoop. Yeah. So Ca- these are weird instructions, right? Yeah. Cache to do this. Yeah. It's so strange, in fact, that Cache's general counsel, Wendy Slavkin, she called Pioneer Bank to see what this was all about. And when she talked to Pioneer Bank, she was told that my payroll HR's Pioneer Bank account had been frozen. Okay. Yeah. Wait, did it? So, and that implies that it had been fro- frozen by, like the the law, the long arm of the law. Well, froze it. No, if I understand it correctly, banks can freeze accounts at any time. Oh, because something weird. Because we yeah, because something like, usually okay. because something's these they're suspicious right. of something. They're suspicious activity. So they right. don't need okay. like they don't need yeah they don't need a gumshoe to come in like hey freeze okay those it's like bank my, accounts yeah it's like it's like it my itself. credit card like yeah, when totally. I when I when I all of a sudden go and buy a commercial kitchen equipment for the remodel that I did in my kitchen in my home. And they go, that's weird. He's never bought anything for a restaurant before. So they shut down my credit card and they say, Hey, we need to talk to you before we do anything. It's basically that, but uh, to the tune of $30 million. Right. Good. So back to this, like 
how this all kind of mechanically happened. Yeah. So this payroll file submitted by my payroll jar instructed the banks for its various clients, right? Uh-huh. The client banks, their customer banks to okay. draw on that cache holding account. Gotcha. Right? Where yes. the norm where the where the money normally came from. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though the 30 million didn't go to the holding account, right. it went it to went, Pioneer. Yeah. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So, so yeah, I get I get what you're saying. So the, so things kind of transpired like they normally do, except the money wasn't the normal thirty million dollars. You know, the money that provided by my payroll HR wasn't there. wasn't in the yeah. cash a holding account. Yeah. So, so cash basically, can see this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so then they yep. So oh, they were ahead. basically so these these downstream banks where the employees had their accounts, they basically were requesting money from cash a. That either Cache would give the money to them wrongly or say, hey, not sufficient funds. If I understand it, my payroll HR instructed the banks to draw on the holding account from Cache. Okay. Right? Yes. Like the money was there like it normally was. Right. But it wasn't. And so then when Cache, so Cache is paying like 30 million bucks that they didn't get. Gotcha. Because this is a big, this is a big. This is a big um, intermediary bank, right? So yeah, they've got okay. money. Yeah, right? sure. Sure. But they're paying out money that they should have gotten from another source. Okay. Right? In this so case, they maybe. did yeah. send the money out. Right. Right. Oh, which makes so sense. Then, okay. So they gotcha. see this happen. So they see this happen. And so then Cache submits a request to reverse that transaction. Gotcha. Although, but because apparently they, they formatted the request incorrectly. So then they submitted a second request. Okay. To reverse it. Okay. And here's the thing. Banks are not supposed to do this. Like reversing transactions like of this magnitude, they're not supposed to do it. Uh, okay. Like like just well, especially internal if it's, rules in this or ca- like well, yeah, regulation. because in this case, well, especially because in this case because if it's not formatted correctly, they're not supposed to honor it at all. Okay. That but, ma- that makes sense. I mean, so despite yeah. but despite that, some of some banks processed both the reversals. Okay. Okay. And that explains why some people saw a month's worth of pay come out of their bank accounts. Okay. Right. Which and is in one crazy. case, so that so you'll you're gonna love this. In one case, according to a CBS news report, the owner of an animal rescue shelter said that one of her employees was one of her employees' bank account was overdrafted by nearly a million dollars. Wait, by how much? Nearly a million dollars. <laughs> Okay, uh, d- stop stop the presses because that's I don't I have so many questions about that because I mean I'm I'm not it doesn't even make sense that it would no that it would get that bad but it, no. I mean I have no reason not to believe CBS News reporting right yeah exactly but like they but, got they got the woman on the record like I don't know why she would lie about that right because but, that but, is insane yeah but what that that sounds like there's some a buddy who works at an animal rescue shelter that makes a mi- over a million dollars a month or nearly a million dollars. I mean, a month. There's not, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, so, maybe somebody can get in touch with us and explain to us that how it even got to that bad, but it that doesn't make any sense because nobody at an animal shelter is making a million dollars a month. Okay. No, no, no one at an animal shelter. So she, so the problem was is that she had her her month's worth of paychecks reversed 
and she's a gambling addict. So that's why she was overdrawn by nearly $1 million. So nuts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, this is basically a textbook banking clusterfuck. Yeah. No argument. No argument. Okay. So people, the employees of my payroll HR's customers, right? Yes. They are seeing their paychecks reverse out of their bank accounts. In some cases, more than once. In some cases, multiple times, multiple times, more than yeah. twice in some cases. Yeah. So this is causing all kinds of chaos and angst. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I people, said, you can't, you can't screw up payroll or the people no. will revolt. No, it, no, no. It, I mean, yeah. You want to see a society become unhinged? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Over something that isn't involved in politics. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's their paychecks. Yeah. They're yeah. storming the HR. They're, it's the, the insurrection of the HR uh, office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, hang, hang Mike Mann. That's what they were saying. <laughs> hang Mike Mann. <laughs> yeah. So people are wondering how they're going to get their money back, right? And business owners are wondering how they can help their employees because, I mean, they're in this jam and, it, it, you know, like business as a business owner, you have to be imagining like your employees are coming to you and they're saying, what the hell is going on? And the business yeah. owners don't know anything more than the employees really, but they feel, res- they feel a certain responsibility because they, you know, they probably don't do the payroll. They pay my payroll HR to do the payroll. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing too, being on that side of things at my job, I know that I need my employees to be happy and to want to work at my company. And this is, and, and so a, obviously this is making them not feel either of those ways. Yeah. And the other thing is when they come to you and go, what the hell's going on? I don't know is not a, that, that, that's not a okay answer. Yeah. Not that no one will be satisfied, by not, that. At, not at all. Th- that'll make them even more pissed off. Yeah. So, it only kind of makes matters slightly worse. Uh, all the taxes related to all these paychecks also lost. No. Yeah. Because uh, that, well, that's that's even, okay, so it wasn't a textbook clusterfuck before. This is a textbook Uber clusterfuck. Yeah. Because that, cause that's like, that's like some bad, bad right. shit. Not, and not for just my payroll HR. That's bad shit for these companies. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about federal, state, local, FICA. Yeah. No, none of that money is going where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And this especially would get complex as we've kind of established that if you have employees in different states and you know, that even, even if they live in certain cities, like, that just gets so complicated so fast. Yeah, absolutely. And National Payment Corp, which is the most generic sounding <laughs> business name I think right. I've heard in a while. They're a company that processes tax payments by the Automated Clearinghouse Network, so ACH. Uh-huh. National Payment Corp said it could not process $4 million in tax payments uh-huh. because of money that was froze at Pioneer Bank. Yeah, an unbelievable nightmare. Yeah. Terrible. It is a nightmare, right? Like this is something that you, that like people would probably have nightmares about, like that money is like being drained from their bank account. Yeah. And if the, if it happened, yeah. And, and you know, the people at my payroll HR were blindsided by this. So obviously all of their customers, I mean, we've already said they were blindsided 
by this as well because payroll must have been going through just fine for as long as they've been using the company and then you show up at work and you've got people with torches and pitchforks outside your yeah. office demanding that they get all their damn money back and so like i said you know if you go through some of the stories in the show notes you'll see that people were able you know you just call like reporters just calling these places up and be like what's going on and they just tell them it's like it it was evident that the banks only knew a little bit more than the people calling them which again none of, it made, none of it made any sense and that's not an acceptable answer no no so it is not nobody's nobody's able to get acceptable answers and so everybody's getting like like it's you've heard of compounded interest this is compounded consternation yeah that's and a good that's a good word it is yeah it is compounded Com- consternation compounded and all while this is all going on everybody was looking for this one guy this one man michael mann Okay, so Caleb, who who is he? Who is this dude, Michael Mann? Because because I do know that the New York Times referred to him as a, a quote shadowy entrepreneur, but that could uh, describe a lot of entrepreneurs. <laughs> sure, good. Yeah, but yeah. but I guess but I guess they call him that because he had. He had basically no online presence, and this and just to remind people, this happened in the recent past. This was 2019 yep. when all this stuff went down. In 2019, everybody has an online presence, but not Michael Mann. Not Michael Mann. And despite his lack of a, of an online presence, he he it was it was it like a dozen companies yeah. that he that he ran. He was like in charge of right um, in the U.S. Yep. So value wise, was the parent company. And these subsidiaries, of which my payroll HR was one of them, um, man had he was the president of you know value wise, uh-huh. and according to the Times Union, which is a was a newspaper that serves like New York's capital region around Albany, the value wise website said uh, about Michael Mann he started value wise in two thousand six. After years as a road warrior with a big management consulting firm, Michael Mann decided that there had to be a better way, the archived website said, a way to prosper in the world of consulting, which he loved, and achieve a more balanced lifestyle. Yeah. And that, that sounds like a write up of so, like, like, of, of like the promising new. Here's this Michael Mann, and he's got some great ideas about consulting. He's going to change the world to make everyone prosperous and happy. Yeah. Well, anyway, he <laughs> he value wise primarily did consulting services, and some of these other businesses, the subsidiaries that owned it, it had one called Lincoln Academy. This was a school for promising basketball players in North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess a charter school. I know, I guess that would be a charter school. Who knows? Yeah, it sounds. Uh, yeah, Lincoln Academy definitely sounds like the name of a charter. There's actually five thousand charter schools across the United States called Lincoln Academy. Link- Lincoln mm-hmm. Academy. Some yep. for promising basketball players. Some for promising chess uh, uh, players. Oh, that's yeah. nice. 
Another another one of the subsidiaries <laughs> is called Hireflux. It's it's a healthcare temp agency. And okay. It operated in several cities, and there was a physical therapy chain, and then other mul- there there was multiple consulting and payroll companies. So this guy, this man, Michael Man, I hate it when you say that. I hate every time you say that. I hate it in my heart. Why? <laughs> it just bothers me so. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. No, keep okay. going. Or please. maybe I won't. Please, I won't. just okay. So Michael Mann, turn the turn the knife. <laughs> Michael Mann, who? Oh, you, know, you mean uh, this man, Michael Mann? That's the one. Okay, he owns more than a dozen companies, employs hundreds of people, including the folks that work at my payroll HR. And how, shit how, many fan. Pe- how many people worked at my payroll HR? So I said two hundred earlier, and I'm not sure that's correct. That may have been for all of like the subsidiaries. Okay. I, it, it depends on the sources, but like I, I think I found another. I had a, found another source that said there was forty employees at my my payroll HR. Okay. But you figure amongst a dozen companies, two hundred. Okay. Sounds about gotcha. right. You know. Okay. Seems yeah. reasonable. Uh huh. Okay. So nobody knows where he is, but people were looking for this guy. Obviously, people were pissed. Yeah. People had the questions, Greg Kite. Right. So, and in my mind, I'm thinking. Like, like I go to immediately to Saddam Hussein in a spider hole. Was <laughs> was this man Michael Mann? Was he in a spider hole with a unruly beard? Yeah, with with a sweet like Unabomber beard. Yeah, but no, like as we said, when thousands of people don't get paid, and yeah. some of them get unpaid. Yeah, in in some cases, multiple times, people are going to start talking about that. As you said. People are going to be pissed. Yeah, they're going to they're they're going to start demanding answers, and when nobody has answers, those people are going to start finding out. Well, this is the guy that might have the answers, and then nobody can find him. Yeah, and the local media, like I said, picked up on this right away, and it started hitting national news sh- shortly after the. It took about it took about a week for like you know if you. I saw, you know, Wall Street Journal articles, NBC News, like more of the national coverage started happening later. Uh-huh. But this guy, Michael Mann. Wait, say, say it right. This man. There you go. Michael there it is. Mann. That's the sweetness. His name was everywhere and everyone's looking for him. And eventually what you notice is that a lawyer's name, his lawyer's name starts popping up in some of these stories and he's telling these outlets that his client was cooperating with authorities. And so after about a week or so, I couldn't, and I didn't piece together the timeline perfectly, but after a week of essentially no one knowing where this guy is, on September 10th, he went with his lawyer to the US Attorney's Office in Albany and he was arrested and charged with bank fraud. Which makes it sound like he was in his lawyer's office, like shouting sanctuary at the top of his his lungs right. for a week. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then my understanding is he, so he, that he just sang like a bird once he got, uh, arrested and he, he, he wasn't trying to cover things up. He was just like, yeah, you, you caught me. Here's everything that happens. And, and the, you, you put the, the actual complaint in the show notes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the complaint comes from, uh, one of the the stories that was covering at the time called Krebs on security. Okay, they had the they linked to the complaint, and you can read the whole complaint. It's pretty short, but um, it's there, and essentially it it has everything 
it basically lays everything out like what he was up to. Right. And and so the things that you that you told me to say here based on your research is that it all began so so Mike this this man Michael Mann his scheme began with him obtaining loans uh through false pretenses and lies and that uh that my my payroll HRA was a legitimate business but this man Michael Mann admitted that some of the companies that he owned some of these dozen companies that he owned he created them solely and expressly to carry out the fraud. So he's using these fake businesses to create fake accounts receivables. Yep. And then he's using those fake receivables as collateral to borrow money from banks. And that's how he was, that's how he was getting. So it was basically, this wasn't payroll fraud. This was, this was loan fraud. Yeah. Essentially that's how that, that's how it started. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, what's weird is that he just kept using the money that he was getting from the banks to start more fake businesses, creating more fake invoices. And then, you know, those invoices would say, oh, we did these services for this company, but that was all phony. Okay. And then creates more receivables. And then he goes, obtains more loans under those with the putting up the the receivables as collateral right which and and so here's here's a thought i mean tell me what you think about this yeah that almost sounds like it's it's some sort of uh weird like like mutant cousin of a ponzi scheme where i wonder if to like service the loans he already had there was pressure for him to get more loans so that he used the money from the new loans to service the old loans. But, Oh no, now he has more loans. He has to service the debt on. So you gotta get, do you think maybe that was kind of the snowball he found himself in? Yeah. I mean, it's essentially, it's either that or it's essentially a kiting scheme, right? A really elaborate kiting scheme. And that, so here's, here's where, here's the deal with all this phony business going on. He was kiting between pioneer bank and bank of America. Okay. And but he was using he was often using money from the payroll businesses because that's where the liquidity could come from, right? Yeah, okay. Because it he was use it. He was actually earning because yeah, the payroll. The there was there was a I don't know I don't remember how many payroll companies there were, but those were legitimate businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And through all of this, through all the the phony businesses and the phony invoices and the phony receivables, he was able to obtain seventy million dollars in loans crazy and just and just so that everybody listening knows a kiting scheme my favorite type of scheme because it was named after my family the kites a kiting scheme is basically where you write a check like a a physical check from an account that has insufficient funds to cash that check but you know that since it's a physical check it's going to take a few days to for banks to process that physical check and so you you but you still send it off uh hoping and planning on having money in the account by the time it does get processed um so that you have money so that it actually clears and it's a very it's a very stressful way to create a very short term uh loan from your bank a very short term loan from your bank a very unauthorized loan from your bank <laughs> and a rather illegal loan from your bank that's check kiting and it seems like the dumbest thing to do ever because it's like really you just get funds for a few i mean fake funds for a few days yeah and i mean i think 
he said, so this guy, this man, Michael Mann. Yeah. <laughs> he claimed that the, he was doing all this due to business and financial pr- pressure, which is a little weird. No, because... but it makes sense because he's got these loans that he needs to pay. He's right. So I think but, I I I I mean again it's speculation, but I 100 okay. percent think that's the financial pressure. Right. But so the but he created the pressure through illegal means. So he creates he creates these illegal he creates these fake invoices, he creates uh-huh. these fake receivables, and he borrows money. So he create he, he he's 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 committing committing bank fraud to get these loans, and then the pressure from those loans. Causes yeah. him to create more loans yeah. through more phony invoices. Yeah, because he probably po- he it's probably like- just pocketed the money from the first loan to buy like a nice car and go on a sweet vacation. And then he's like, "Oh shit, I just pocketed all that money, and those were based- so now I got to make another loan to pay off this first loan." That's what fine. I think. Fine, like I okay, said, fine. Could be so. Wrong. Then I have one question for you, Greg. Yes, ask who me. wants to work that hard. No, no one. No one. <laughs> God, that sounds terrible. Absolutely, absolutely not. Because so here's the thing. I mean, I sure as hell don't want to work that hard. And that's one of the things that we see in so many of these frauds is that I've got to assume completely unintentionally these people like going, here's some easy money. And then they realize that they just opened themselves up to this, this, uh, what's, what's the right? Sisyphusian, a life of Sisyphus who's rolling the stone up the hill just for it to roll back down for eternity. Uh, And that's, that's what he has to do to, to, to keep up. To, to try to keep himself out of jail and out of hot water with this whole thing. But regardless of this, a pioneer <laughs> bank yep. was that, that was the bank that loaned man, this man, Michael Mann, the largest amount of money out of any other institution. So most of these, most of these bullshit loans were given by pioneer bank. Yeah. Um, and he, and he wanted to temporarily reduce the amount that he owed them, but pioneer bank, was suspicious of some of his activities, which which makes sense to me because I have a pretty close relationship with the banks that we have some pretty sizable loans with at my my the companies I work for. And it's a pretty it's a pretty tight relationship. And they do have their antenna up for suspicious activity. So yep. I could totally get it that they're going, something's not feeling right with uh, this man, Michael Mann. Uh, so, so Pioneer's going, we're not feeling good. So that's why they froze his account there, is my understanding. Yep. And then Bank of America, then shortly after that, also froze his Michael Mann's accounts at Bank of America. And so, and, and then with the, with the accounts frozen, that's that's what tipped the scales and revealed the fraud is is all this right right yeah so and so but, he so then he used that money from my payroll uh-huh. right and yeah he sent it to pioneer right okay so the money gets that because again he was trying to reduce he was trying to reduce the money they owe them but so because the, they were and that's the th- wait hold on that's the 30 million dollars we were talking about yep yep okay yep. yeah yep and so but the money got there and then pioneer froze the account Okay. And that's so when Cache tried to reverse it, that's why they couldn't reverse it. Right. Right. Okay. The money, because Pioneer's like, there's something fishy going on. The money right. stays. Right. Gotcha. Yep. And, and then, of course, then they tried again. And so nobody could get their money back. The tax yeah. authorities could, couldn't get their money back. And you got this. Right. Cluster yes. fuck. Clusterfuck. Yeah, that's it. I think is that is that going to be the title of this episode? 
payroll clusterfuck. Well, well, we will consider it. Okay, I hope. I mean, so. I mean, we'll have to edit this out because there is a name on the episode, right? The na- and the name's payroll clusterfuck. <laughs> or I maybe it's been- it's uh it's this man, Michael Mann. What a pathetic loser. <laughs> so the good news. Well, is there good news? I don't know, but. A lot of this money got repaid quickly. Oh, right? that is good news. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the reporting, um, in one Wall Street Journal story, it said 97% of the people affected got their money back within a couple of weeks. Okay. I, I mean, unfortunately, it just doesn't take long for a fraud like this to inflict like serious damage on people. Right. And so, the, you know, I read, you know, several stories about people, employees of these businesses who are negatively affected. And I mean, that's awful. You know, it's just yeah. it's just regular people that have no control yeah. whatsoever. Like people, like just normal people working at animal shelters, earning a million dollars a month. They these normal people <laughs> just got screwed. People. Yeah, and if that wasn't bad enough, this came out uh, short. I don't know, a week or two. I don't remember the exact. It was a. It was another. Uh, it was. A, it was actually the Daily Mail of all places. The Daily Mail uh, reported something pretty maddening. A subsidiary of United Health Group. United Health Group is a is a huge uh, health insurance com- company. Yeah, they used ValueWise, uh, actually a subsidiary of theirs, used ValueWise for IT staffing services, and they suspected this man, Michael Mann, <laughs> of forging records to show that he had he he had all these receivables due from United Health, right? Okay, you know, big big giant company like. United Health is massive, right? Yeah. And so if they're your client, if you said, oh, I got a hundred million in receivables from like nobody, but somebody might look at it on paper. They'd be like, eh, that seems reasonable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause but it's they, a big, big company. They yeah. probably owe you a lot of money. Yeah. But they, but they suspected something was up. So they reported him and value corp to the FBI, uh, because they suspected fraud and they said they, they made this report in 2017. To, in 2017, which, two years before, the and fraud. again to remind everyone of the timeline, the turds hit the fans in 2019. Yeah. So two years prior to this, the FBI already had a tip saying, "Hey, go check this guy out." Yeah. So he was on their radar. Awesome. Yeah. In August 2020, this man, Michael Mann, he pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. One count of aggravated identity theft, nine counts of bank fraud, and one count of filing a false tax return. And and so just so August pe- of twenty twenty, so and, about less than a year after everything went down. Okay, so that's when he pleaded guilty. He was sentenced in August of twenty twenty one to one hundred forty four months, so just over twelve years in prison. Yeah, and yeah. he reported to prison uh, shortly after that in September. So one of the things that sticks out to me, though, is you said that he uh, was committed to one count of conspiracy. Yes. And that would imply that he had like a team for his heist. He had some Um, help. And so what? So it looks like there was a guy named Luke Steiner of Minnesota who, who was also pled guilty to conspiracy in 2020. And there was another dude named Derek Schwartz from Texas who was also charged with conspiracy in August of 2021. So, though, so, so what? Um, Luke and Derek 
where they helped uh, this man, Michael Mann, obtain the loans that he got on the phony receivables, right? Yep. Yeah. The in the case of Derek Schwartz, uh, I couldn't find any updates. I mean, he was just charged in August of 2021. Yeah. So I think it's probably so they're allegations at this point. Okay. Um, but that's but super the, recent. The, that's I mean that's, that's really recent. Not yeah. The I mean, depending um, on when you listen to this podcast, that might be more recent than others. True. Who listened to this podcast. uh the uh the the press release from the DOJ is in the show notes if you want to wor- read all the details on those guys. Perfect. Um more even more recently, uh, a Times Union article went into the exhausting nature of this fraud, and and that's what we talked about. That this sounds just awful. Yeah, it sounded like an awful fraud to have to perpetrate. Yes, uh, couldn't even enjoy it really, which is weird because little sidebar. In all the research that I did, uh, Michael Mann did not really. This man, Michael Mann, did not. Really, I did not get the impression that he was um, in really enjoying all this money that he was uh, helping himself to. He, yeah, he had a he had a he had a, a relatively nice house on a lake, and he had like a jeep. He had maybe a, a nice jeep, but uh, he I read something somewhere that he showed up to work in t shirt and jeans. Like he okay. was very yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was his his past as a consultant or whatever. But I did not get the impression that he was. Uh, you know, living a lavish lifestyle. Yeah, that doesn't. Um, yeah, a jeep with, and t-shirt and jeans doesn't sound. It sounds like maybe a, a relaxed lifestyle, right? And maybe but not maybe, necessarily luxurious, right? I mean, sometimes you know, you think about it, it's like maybe you just want to commit some fraud so you can take it easy. Yeah, but in but, this case, he wasn't taking it easy. It sounded like an awful fraud, right? But but that is interesting that you mentioned that because as we know, the the main red flag for fraud is the perpetrator living beyond their means. But I think that anybody who looks at a CEO of a, a multi-million dollar company and sees them wearing jeans and a t-shirt and driving a Jeep, they're probably like, that seems maybe below his means. This guy, right. maybe we need to be concerned because why is this guy just in t-shirts and jeans right. and just driving a, a, a Wrangler? Yeah, right. So anyway, this Times Union article went into these details of uh, to the extent that he went to cover up this fraud. And this was all revealed in a lawsuit between Pioneer Bank and Michael Mann's accounting firm, Teal, Becker, and Chiaramonte. Uh-huh. Shakiramonte. <laughs> Did I say that right? I think it's Shakiramonte. <laughs> Shakiramonte. <laughs> anyway, here's a quote. The documents also show man's elaborate efforts to keep the fraud going, a process of constantly manipulating people and documents that was so exhausting and time-consuming that it had become nearly a full-time job. Which is crazy and ironic because if you remember from earlier, a man says he started these businesses to, quote, achieve a more balanced lifestyle, but instead he backed himself into an exhausting second full-time job of keeping these frauds alive. And I love the details because Michael Mann is said, they said that he was emailing people at Pioneer Bank all the time because he was overdrawn in his accounts. And he so he'd like call him up and be like, hey, Listen, I know I'm overdrawn, no big whoop. There's just a timing issue, but it's but the money's the money's on its way. The checks in the mail. Don't worry about it. 
And that's a kiting scheme. That's a, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's, that's a kiting scheme. Right. So he's God. like doing it. He's like telling he's them, like, "Hey, tell them, don't doing. worry about it. I'm doing a kiting scheme. Just relax for Chill. a couple days." Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> fucking bankers. So, but apparently, even though he kept coming to them and saying, "Don't worry about it. There's just a timing issue." Pioneer Bank never like really asked him about this recurring problem of a timing issue. Right. But I've got to assume, again, like you said, they froze his accounts because they were just like, something something wrong's going right. on. So finally they hit the limit and were like, okay, we just got to <laughs> shut this down. I mean, they probably already were like, this is suspicious. Yeah, and then they, when the money got after directed a while, to the wrong place. Well, yeah, you have to, and again, this is this is a podcast. We're going to do some speculating. Of course. Uh, eventually, eventually somebody at Pioneer Bank, the right person at Pioneer Bank, like, found out what was going on and they're like oh we're, we're no freezy like no way like that it must have been like because i read something about he had a pretty good relationship with someone there and like this was the person that he would always call up and he would say things like hey do me a favor and let's just skip this part and like it just you're just like oh my gosh and like, right and then finally someone who wasn't involved in the relate someone at pioneer bank who wasn't involved in the relationship at all must have like talked to someone and be like Wait, we're doing what? Why? What? <laughs> right. Like, no, no, right? Fuck no, like freeze his accounts, like, and let's find out what's going on. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can you can stretch it too far. And and again, like we said, when all that money got diverted from the cache account, yeah, to Pioneer, that's finally when they they were like, okay, this a there's a hundred percent right something wrong here. Let's shut all this shit down till we yeah. figure it out. Yeah. Man, Michael Mann. <laughs> All right, Greg, did we learn anything? I don't yeah, know. Did man, we? I I, lo- I mean, seriously, going through this case, I love it because I feel like there's tons of stuff to look at. So for, first off, and we beat this drum a lot, crime doesn't pay. If you're going to work your ass off, Work it off doing something that that pays better and that isn't a a, a fucking crime, because, <laughs> right? Because I mean, again, we've said it before. So many of the fraud schemes we look at, they, somebody thinks they're going into easy money and that goes, oh no, now I've got this lie I have to perpetuate for ad nauseum for eternity <laughs> for, the, for the forever, forever, yeah. and it's the hardest job. And and it's like you could work less hard at a legit, ma- you know, at a legit side hustle, yeah. To make to to possibly make more money, and for sure you're making more money because you're not going to get caught and sent to jail and have to repay all the money that you stole. And it, it makes me think of, and, and I I swear, tell me if we haven't already talked about this on the podcast on another yep. episode, but whenever I see a fraudster who ends up doing all this work just to keep all the, you know, juggling all the balls for their fraud. I think of those stories of like meth addicts who would take shredded documents and like reassemble them so they could get like a credit card application piece Mm -hmm. back together, like somebody's social security number. And it's like, if you have, if you have the patience and determination to piece back together a credit card application you absolutely have the skill set to be a sandwich artist so do that instead <laughs> of doing this so that that's right. one thing is it's like 
Uh, I mean, and again, we talk about red flags. One of the red flags is people never taking vacation, which is partly because they don't want somebody else to do their job while they're on vacation. But also part of them not taking a vacation is they can't. They got too much to do to yeah. keep every to keep all like I said, to keep all those balls in the air. So that's yep. that's a big thing I learned. But I thought that even more interesting was just these fake accounts receivable and that that's what he was using because I because I I didn't know I, I actually did a little research myself, Caleb, with yes. the receivable stuff. And and I came to the conclusion that either the auditors or the banks or both dropped the ball big time on these fake receivables. Mm -hmm. So I cause what I did again in my day job, I've got a very close relationship with a bank that does our commercial loans with them. We've got, I think between my uh, all my companies, we've got Somewhere along the lines, about twenty million dollars of loans uh, from from banks for the the medical real estate companies that I work yep. for, and so I call, so I called my banker and I and I wanted to know because we we only are, both there's two different entities each has a little over ten million dollars with this bank uh, in loans and I asked him what was the threshold because we only have to have a review we don't have to have a full blown audit and he yep. said that the the that the threshold is ten million dollars. So if you have over ten million dollars in loans that you're supposed to be audited, I guess he got a special exception for us. And so even though we've got you know we're less than twenty million dollars at each in, at each entity, but it is over ten million, and they they just got us an exception to save us a little bit of money. But generally yep. speaking, ten million dollars that's when you're going to get audited, not reviewed. And so you've got to assume that if he had $70 million out, that means he has more than 10. And, and I think even we saw at Pioneer Bank, he had somewhere to the tune of like, what, 30 million from Pioneer Bank? Do you remember what it said? That's what's coming mm, to my mind. I don't know if it was specifically to Pioneer Bank, but all told, all told, like the, the total fraud was about 100 million. Okay. And so, change. So, you so 30, million, 30 million from the my payroll stuff that, like he right. snagged to cover right. to cover his kiting adventure, yeah. right? And he obtained seventy million in loans through banking. Fraud. There you go. So seventy million in loans. He's for sure over the ten million dollar threshold. So oh, yeah. he should be getting audited. And those audits include receivables confirmations, which right. is where the auditor sends out. They say, okay, who 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 owes you money? my yep. payroll HR and they say, cool, we're going to send them letters just to make sure that they really owe you this money. So that, so I'm going to say that the auditors fucked it up at least at the very minimum, they didn't audit the receivables thoroughly enough. Right. So you now I I'm wondering if you want to take issue with that because you are a former auditor and we know we've talked about it before where auditors use like, you know, samples and things like that. And that it could have, do you think it, do you think they screwed up or do you think it just slipped yeah, through the cracks? Yeah. I mean, on the it, because they don't really get into this, like at least in the reporting that I found, it just isn't clear to me how exactly the auditors, See, the extent that they were involved. And so, so here's the thing, but you're right. You're right. Like confirmation of receivables is a common way to do that. Right. But I, I think it's a required imagine, way to do it. Well, it might be. Yeah. If I, I, yeah, again, my memory, is it always required? I, I'm unsure, but send, send us an email auditors and tell yeah. us if it's required or not. Yeah. If it's required procedures, if it is, then yes, then there's obviously something seriously wrong here, but there's always on audit on, on audit. There's always alternative procedures, 
Right. Okay. So alternative procedures are something that you can use if for whatever reason, the primary procedures that you should use on a particular account aren't possible for whatever. And like this guy, okay. Michael Mann, he was making up all these excuses for to his bank. I have to imagine that if he was being audited, that he was making all kinds of excuses to his auditors and be like, hey guys, we can't do the confirmations. And this is why, because there's so many, because there's so whatever. Okay. And and you know, the auditors would be like, because they didn't want to push back or what, who knows? Like this is all speculation at this point. Right. But but, it, well, it, but it's conceivable to me that there could have been like he could have maybe talked his way out of it. Um, and the auditors would have gone along, but we just don't know. Okay, but but I also hate that because we did yeah. the reporting shows that some of the businesses that he created, he created for the sole purpose of yes. creating fake receivables to borrow money against. So those companies, if all they had, if it was just a total bullshit company with yeah, all like a bullshit small amount of cash and a ton of receivables, then yeah, your I mean. auditors gotta find. So I still am putting a lot of a lot of blame on the auditors with that. So. So uh, again, somewhat speculation, but I think there's a lot to it that the auditors screwed up. If you don't like what I said, pick a fight with Francine McKenna. Here's the other thing that you need that, that came to mind. Well, and this came out of my conversation with my banker is that when a bank lends money and they use, they use receivables as collateral. First off, yep. I asked him, how, how often does that happen? And he was like, that happens all the time. All we the time, yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. That's super yep. common. So it's a very common practice. My loans with the bank, the collateral is the real estate, but they, they do an, an appraisal of our real estate to make sure yep. that it's as valuable as we say it is. So them doing a receive these receivables acknowledgements is basically their due diligence themselves to make sure that the receivables are are valued properly and again i was going okay how much uh, up to what level do you loan against the value of the receivables and he said typically they'll the, i mean generally they'll easily lend between 75 to 80% of the value of the uh, of the receivables he even said sometimes they'll load oh, wow. up to 90 percent of the value of the receivables which that blew my mind because again real estate that's a very secure collateral instrument they'll mm -hmm. only loan me up to 80 percent on my real estate so oh, the fact wow. that they so he basically blew his cover so it's kind of like so maybe i'm overthinking it but they almost it's almost like Accounts receivables are treating they're they're treating them as future cash flows, right? Yeah. And yeah. so they're saying, okay, well, if you assume a ten percent allowance for doubtful accounts, yeah. So yeah, so we'll loan you ninety percent of whatever your receivables balances yeah. are because we say because they're essentially if I mean that's I mean but ninety percent like they're saying yeah. as good as cash that's yeah I'm surprised banks are that. That seems risky for a bank. That yeah, doesn't it, seem and, nearly conservative enough right, for a bank. Right. That's what I was saying. And, and now he clearly was like, it, they, they'd begrugingly loan up oh. to 90%, but, they, but they've been known to do it. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. but he also said, listen to this. He said they would, so typically, this is what he said. Typically, they'd lend between 75 and 80% of the value of eligible receivables. And he okay. went into explaining what that meant for eligible receivables. Because when they dig into these receivables, they say, well, the, we're not going to count these. And, oh. and sometimes it's like, well, this account is 120 days past due. So yep. we're, so that's not, not doesn't count. We're still going to take it as collateral. 
but we're not going to count that as part of the value. Or Ooh. if there's any, if there's something else that that causes them like heartburn about uh, any of the receivables, they can just label them ineligible and not include them in the in the calculation for the loan. So with that, I'm going to say these banks again did not did not do enough due diligence or here's another thought that I had so I, I would say both the banks and the auditors did not audit or confirm or acknowledge the receivables adequately. The yep. other thing I'm wondering, so going back to the whole thing about Michael Mann working his ass off yeah. to keep these things going, because this is a common thing that happens in other receivables frauds, is that the person who's committing the fraud, they say, oh, you've got a receivable to ABC you know, com- Holdings Incorporated. And they go, oh, yeah, we totally have that receivable. And they go, cool. What's our, what's our contact info? We want to just talk to him about this receivable. They go, oh, it's here's their contact info. And it's really just a fake address that comes back to the person. Right. Who's, who's, so I could see that being part of this full-time job, this full-time side hustle to keep the fraud alive, is yep. if he's giving them fake contact info, and then he's out having to fill out all this information and give all this info to confirm his own receivables. So he's got to go you know, get new addresses somehow at, yep. you know, at the UPS store or whatever and make yeah, a PO boxes. Whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so that could be part of it too. And if that's the case, well, two things. One, my first point is underlined where it's like, do something. <laughs> if you're working that hard, do something that's legit. Right. But also it, it also kind of underscores the fact that the auditors and the banks didn't do enough because part of the right. audit practice is don't take their word for it. If they say right. they've got this is a this is a creditor of theirs or, or sorry, a, a, a debtor of the of theirs, someone who owes them money, you need to go and find their ad their contact info independent of your client so that you can know that you're sending it to the right people. So right. I still say even if he was doing that, it underlines the other two points that I already made. But super interesting. So fascinating. Yeah. And so crazy how many people were affected by this whole thing. Oh, dude. You fucked up, Michael Mann. All right. That's it for this episode. And remember, if you commit payroll fraud, you will be directly deposited in jail. And also remember that if someone calls you a workaholic, they're basically accusing you of committing a poorly thought out fraud. Exactly. And if you want to drop us a line, many of you have, and we so appreciate the emails that we receive and the the social media feedback that we receive. But if you want to send us an email, please send that to ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe.com. And Caleb, if they want to talk directly to you, where can people find you out there in in the uh, internet world? On Twitter at CNewquist and LinkedIn backslash Caleb Newquist. Greg. Where are you on the uh, Same thing. Twitter, I'm at Greg Kite. And on LinkedIn, I am LinkedIn.com backslash Greg Kite. Oh, My Fraud is written by Caleb Newquist and Greg Kite. Our producer is Zach Frank. If you like the show, leave us a review or share it with a friend. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for the accountants out there, if you listen to this podcast on Earmark, you can earn free CPE credit. Isn't that nice? Wonderful. Join us next time for more avarice, swindlers, and scams. For more stories that will make you say, Oh, oh my, my fraud. fraud.